0: This podcast is made possible in part by Patrons like you. Become a Patron today at patreon.com slash binge movies. This is my instant reaction for... Sonic the Hedgehog 2... When I first graduated from high school, one of my earliest jobs was working at a dollar theater. Now, if you don't know what a dollar theater is, just think closeouts, but instead of like yogurt and jeans, it is movies. See, the theatrical window used to be much larger, uh, you know, a decade or two ago, and it was even larger back in the 90s. We don't have to go back that, that far. Uh, but you, you know, even you know, ten, fifteen years ago, the theatrical window was much larger. Now it's down to forty-five to sixty days, give or take, for widely distributed films. At least in the United States, they show up on digital and Blu-ray pretty quick. Um, it was much larger than that, much longer than that. Uh, previously, it was uh, it was a long period of time. Um, so it left the sort of secondary market, the second-run theaters. And uh, it was just what I said it was. It was a dollar theater. It was a major North American chain, but they had their own second-run theater. It had 25-cent Wednesdays, and then that eventually got bumped up to 50-cent Wednesdays. And the price for a ticket, uh, I think it was like 75 cents for a matinee, and it was legitimately, for the longest time, a dollar. Uh, and, and as a movie would leave the big theater at the top of the hill, it would literally go down the hill to a smaller theater. It was originally across town, but they, they, this uh, chain had three, three theaters. They had a big theater for the huge releases. They had a kind of medium-sized theater for uh, you know a lot more independent kind of cinema or smaller releases. And then they had a third, which was the Dollar Theater. They eventually consolidated that into two. Then they flipped the Dollar Theater around and made it a, uh, lack of a better term, they made it a, uh, uh, like a eat-in theater. Basically an Alamo draft house ripoff. And that's where we are today. But I got a job there. I got a job there outside of high school. Now, what does this have to do with anything? Am I just a slightly older aging, sexy ass podcaster reminiscing about his his adolescence as a young beef boy? Is that what we're talking about? Is this just me waxing nostalgic, referencing things from the past? Is that all that this is, or is there a point to my meanderings? Well, the point is this. While I was there, one of the Robert Rodriguez green screen, early CGI green screen films came out. I don't think it was one of the Spy Kids, or I was there for a little while, so I don't know. Maybe it was one of the Spy Kids. It it seems to me it was definitely Shark Boy and Lava Girl. I don't know what year that is, so maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is all a fever dream. Maybe I never even existed. I don't know. But this seems right. It seems right. And so I would have to do the seat check, and I'd have to tear tickets, and I worked concessions, and I was originally hired as a projectionist. Was uh, kind of cool, uh, and I only got to do that like two times, and uh, it was a scam—just to get me in the door to make me do the, the the shitty part of the job, which is pretty much everything else. And uh, then, I, of course, had to do had to clean up the theaters afterwards. And so, I'd go in, I'd clean up the theater afterwards, and I'd catch the tail end of Sharp Boy and Lava Girl probably thirty times. And it just didn't look like a real movie. And I think somewhere between Attack of the Clones and between uh, Sharkboy and Lava Girl is the blueprint for modern filmmaking. You don't need people. You don't need a set. If you have people, they don't even need to know what they're saying, why they're saying it. They uh, They don't ever have to appear on screen together. You can just key in everything after the fact, and everything is like just vaguely digital. And it's completely uncanny the entire time, and it doesn't really matter. And we see this in Marvel films. Just look at pretty much anything Mark Ruffalo has done in a Marvel movie, especially in the Hulkbuster suit. Look, we see it in Marvel movies. We see it in... Uh... <laughs> What other kind of movies are there? I don't remember. Uh, we see things like the movie I'm talking about today, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. None of it looks real. We don't believe any of it. We live in the Uncanny Valley. We've we've pitched our tent there. Now we're building ourselves a fire and we're getting ready to start civilization. This is where film civilization is at, folks. We just live in the valley. Does the sun shine there? Do the flowers grow? We have no idea. All we know. The real estate's cheap. That's pretty cool. That's where we're at. Now it's gonna sound like I'm coming out the gates to shit on Sonic the Hedgehog, too. That's not necessarily the case. I'm gonna blow some minds. Now, the first Sonic the Hedgehog film, I I, I didn't see it in theaters, but I did I did catch up with it eventually on home video. And I thought it was all right. I thought it was, I thought it was a perfectly okay film. I I I don't have any other kind of ideas about that. I Thought some of the stuff was funny. I thought obviously, you know, you're casting, uh, you know, a pretty good cast of people. Um, you know, you got Ben Schwartz. That's his name, right? Isn't it Ben Schwartz who sound like the Hedgehog? Does it matter? I need to look this up. Yeah, it's Ben Schwartz. Man, I was getting confused with that other guy that isn't Ben Schwartz that everybody else gets him confused with. Uh, you know, it's Ben Schwartz, and he's pretty funny, and he can be. And I don't know. I thought it was charming, and I was honestly, I thought the the fans going, "Man, that Sonic looks like shit. Why don't you just make him look like Sonic?" And then them going, "You know what? We're gonna delay the movie. We're just gonna make the guy look like Sonic." I thought that was pretty great. Okay, I thought that was pretty great. And they came back and they were just like, they just made him into Sonic and that was fine. Uh, and then I thought it was humorous. And the good thing about the Sonic the Hedgehog, the film was it was pretty brief. It was pretty brief. And it was Jim Carrey kind of reprising his role as, uh, as basically 90s Jim Carrey. And it had enough references to the video games and all that kind of stuff. And so I liked it. It was, it was, it was a perfectly uh, sufficient film. For what it was, it's successful enough. They announced the sequel, okay, and obviously they tease Knuckles and uh, Tails, or at least Tails. I can't from what I remember. And here we are now. Knuckles is in it, and he's played by in this film Idris Elba. This uh, movie is directed by Jeffrey Fowler. It's written by Pat Casey, Josh Miller, and and uh, John Whittington. Stars Ben Schwartz, Idris Elba, Colleen O'Shaughnessy as the voice of. Tails, uh, Jim Carrier prizes his role as Robotnik, a.k.a. Eggman. We get James Marsden, who has aged out of nowhere. The guy looked about mm, 32 for 50 years, and now he looks probably whatever his age is. Uh, we get the return of Tika Sumter, who is an absolutely gorgeous woman. Speaking of gorgeous, you have Shamar, uh, Shamar Moore uh, and and you know, and just Adam Paulie and all these other people. doesn't really matter. Uh, Natasha Rothwell. Uh, And, you know, here's the thing that they did with this one. Uh, uh, This is going to be mostly spoiler-free, but if you've played the games, you already know the spoilers, kind of. I don't know. Here's what they did with this one. They cut down the human parts significantly, and they focused on the video game characters. It's not to say that they went full video game land. This all takes place on Earth for some reason. And uh, other than Robotnik, though, the human beings are used very sparingly in this film. And um, the standout to me is Idris Elba. Now, I have said repeatedly on this podcast, who does Idris Elba have to fuck to get a good role? There is a chance. There's not a non zero chance. I'll put it like that. There is not a non zero chance. One of his better roles in film, at the very least, over the last 10 years is going to be Knuckles. He is uh, the best part of this movie. I don't think the script is as fresh. The movie is probably 10, 15 minutes too long. I'll get to that in a second. Ben Schwartz, the jokes are not as, I was sort of surprised at how like, There were actual jokes in the first Sonic movie. The jokes in this seem to have been dumbed down. And what it seems like they've done is it seems that the first movie was meant to appeal to dads and moms, basically, who grew up, the first Sonic generation, grew up playing Sonic the Hedgehog. This film seems like it was made kind of for them, but mostly for their kids. This seems much more like a kid's movie. So the comedy has kind of become very referential and a lot more fart gags and a lot more kind of dumb, dumb kid humor. I saw this in an early screening with a lot of kids that gave us free comic books, and it was a lot of fun. And the kids laughed their ass off. And they laughed their ass off at Jim Carrey, and they laughed their ass off at Ben Schwartz, and they were all in love with Tails to the point when Tails emerged. Multiple kids in this giant-ass theater screen, screened, screening, screamed, Tails. And at one point, Sonic's like, who the heck are you? And the place went, Tails. <laughs> and uh, everybody loved Knuckles. Knuckles got to parents laughing. Idris Elba's doing something somewhere in between Drax. And I'm sorry, the only point of reference I have for film anymore is Marvel. Drax and uh, uh, Thor, right? He's just sort of like a very literal fish out of water kind of a character. And as the movie goes, he, he's given some of the best material. And by the end of the movie, it had kind of won me over. It kind of won me over. It's a little too long. It's because uh, it's like two hours and two minutes. It's a little too long for my liking. I think it needs to be closer to the original runtime of the hour and forty five minutes because in that screen with mostly kids, there's something there's so there's some stuff that happens basically in that extra twenty minutes, some kids it started to lose the audience a little bit because they started squirming their seats and getting up and moving around and having to go to the bathroom and this and that, whatever. Then when it gets into the third act of the film, like the true third act, because this, this movie almost has like three and a half acts, when it got into the, the conclusion, everybody was back on board. Everybody in the theater grabbed their attention. It wasn't that they weren't enjoying the movie. I never got the sense that like they were just bored and they hated it and it was just like a slog for them. certainly wasn't for me. Um I just got the sense that it was like a little too much. Like it had them all wrapped up and it was just a little too long. And it's like over two hours is kind of a bit much for a Sonic 2. I don't know. Maybe they feel like they had to go two hours and two minutes because it is Sonic 2. Maybe that's the irony of it. I don't know. Um, I think the special effects are extraordinarily less impressive. I don't think impressive isn't the right word. This looks worse than the first one. Let's just put it like that. Uh it does look like a spy kids movie. It does kind of look like a, you know, it's very clear that Jim Carrey I don't think was ever on set with another human being at all. Um he's doing more 90s Jim Carrey sort of stuff. Allegedly he's going to retire. This is going to be his final role. I don't think that's going to be true uh for a variety of reasons. Um <clears throat> I'm trying to think of anything else I can say before I get into my one kind of adult critique. Yeah, I got nothing. So here comes the adult logical part of my brain. The adult logical part of my brain is there are several scenes of peril. As many rating systems, say, scenes of peril, scenes of peril. That's, that's like a plot. You're describing conflict, danger. So There are several scenes of peril in this film. And at any point in time, Sonic could just use his super speed and get out of the situation. And for whatever reason, he a lot, he he chooses, he has lots not to do it. Now, let's get binge movies on this for a second. Let's get highly analytical and something that is pretty ridiculous. The Sonic video game was more or less a rail it was a side scroller but it was more or less a rail game sonic was a character it wasn't a it wasn't a side scroller in the same way that mario was there were routes the routes determine your speed it was all about going as fast as you possibly could the trial and tribulations of sonic is that once you got into a particular rail whether it be the the top frame the middle frame or the bottom frame or and you could you could go in between at certain points within the the level, right? You could drop down, or you could go up, or you could do this, you could do that, you could hit a ramp, or hit a spring, or whatever the case is, right? And you could, you know, find secret passageways and all this sort of shit. But it was it it had the feeling of you had total freedom to do whatever you wanted to do. That's not really how the mechanic of the game works because at a certain point, the game actually takes over the animation of Sonic, and it's you're just going through basically segmented i'm talking about like the genesis era you're basically going through segmented animations what really what you're doing okay now there's probably technical terms for all of this and somebody want to correct me and please do at binge movies on twitter i don't give a shit but that's basically how it worked but when you played it you felt as if you had unlimited momentum you felt like you're going the speed of light and that was what brought again the scenes or the feeling of danger or peril to Sonic at any minute you could go so fast you go out of control and you run into some kind of an obstacle or villain or bad guy or enemy and you lose some rings and if you lose too many rings you die and it was it was unavoidable for you to bump into stuff so the the genius of that game mechanic is to beat the level you got to go as fast as you possibly can and you're rewarded for going as fast as you possibly can. To have fun in the game, you got to go as fast as you can. The character's motto was, got to go fast. <laughs> right? Got to go fast. The marketing appeal is, here's this fat Italian plumber stopping on turtle shells, going as slow as he fucking can. And here's this guy who's got sneakers, he likes chili dogs, he's 90s, he's rad, he's spiky, he's cool. Fuck Mario. Uh, little kids play with Mario. Sonic goes super fast. That was the marketing campaign. Blast processing. Sega does what Nintendo don't. Great shit. The danger of the game was also your speed. The fun of the game was the speed. The marketing for the game was the speed, and the the reward system was speed. But the danger. The, the peril, the possibility of losing rings and dying or being rewarded less at the end of the level also came from the speed. Now, what is Okay, Jason, get to your point. You're getting to my point. They've never captured that in these movies. Rather than making speed his strength and his weakness, he just selectively doesn't use speed. There's just situations where all he has to do is zip across the room and grab the object, but he just doesn't for some reason. Instead, we get this very elaborate sort of, like, dance battle that plays a song that was great five years ago, which very very much reminded me of, like, a kid's movie in a lot of ways from the 90s, because, like it's very hard for adults to keep up to speed with kids and, and the, the lag time in production between when you write a movie produce and get it into production and then release it is so long that even if you were to like capture the zeitgeist, uh, especially for kids, like the moment will have passed by the time the movie comes out. So it will be utterly passe. Um, which is why I think they ADR and loop a lot of lines, because if most of your jokes are references and the movie doesn't come out until like three years after or five years after it was written, all the references are pointless. So you just loop it in through ADR, right? And you just like Oh, don't say this person and this person. Reference this person and that person, right? Um again, it's gonna sound like I'm shitting all over the movie, but but it felt very much like a nineties kids movie and it felt dated in a lot of ways in a couple of different areas S- having said all that despite the fact that it looks like a spy kids movie uh despite the fact that it, or shark boy and a girl despite the fact that it is um too long despite the fact that it is like pedestrian at best despite the fact that it's not as fresh or as well written as the first movie I think the movie actually has a good overall message for kids. I think it is more selectively targeting younger audiences, although there are plenty of nostalgic references, and not too many that are like beat you over the head. And I think kids laughed at this movie in my screening the same way that I laughed at Jim Carrey in 1994 watching The Mask when I was roughly their age or when I watched Ace Ventura There's just a certain sensibility of humor that appeals to younger people. And they need movies like that as much as I need movies about, like, sad Catholics who, you know, may or may not be lesbians. Like, the world needs all kinds. And kids need movies. And this is a movie for them. By the end of it, it won me over. I thought, like, the last five minutes were just charming as fuck. I was like okay this is kind of the movie I want to watch um and everybody lost their mind of course there's a mid-credit deal there's you know okay stay through the credits whatever but man oh man people lost their fucking minds people cheer during the action sequences especially towards the end uh People laugh their ass off at Idris Alba, and again, this may very well be one of his best big screen roles. I, I don't know what that says about his agent or the state of cinema. cheap plug. but yeah, like it, it, there's like a, parts of it like really work. I don't know what else to say. It's not revolutionary. here's the, the other thing is it's not it's it, even though it's got like fart jokes and stuff, it's not mean-spirited. it's good natured. It's not crass. It is like perfectly good eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old kid entertainment that won't drive you insane as an adult. You may even like parts of it. You may even be charmed by parts of it. The movie ends. There is a mid credit scene. People lost. I'm dead serious. People lost their fucking minds when they just began to allude to what it was, grown men, grown women, and children alike started going, they're not going to. Oh, my God. And people jumped out of their seats. And this one guy in particular sorry, and he was, I don't know, probably like maybe like 13, maybe. Young kid, you know, like a teen. Just started pacing the aisle around a bunch of little kids going, no fucking way, bro. No fucking way, bro. No fucking way, bro. So here's what that tells me. I grew up with Sonic the Hedgehog. I had it, all this stuff. I had a Game Gear, and I had a bunch of Sonic games on the Game Gear, and uh, I, I've, I've chased my fair bit of Chaos Emeralds, and uh, I've done bonus stages, never really cared for Tails, I was never very good at controlling Knuckles. I got all those games. I could fire them up anytime. I played them not that long ago. Uh, but there's a lore here. I watched both cartoons. I hated the Jaleel White syndicated one that looked like it was animated in a sweatshop in like Mongolia. I hated it. I liked the one that was like uh, on ABC Saturday mornings. It was like dark. I think they relabeled it Sonic Underground," or maybe that was a different one. But you know the one I'm talking about, the, the serious one, with like scary robotnik. I like that one. There's obviously a very large group of people who take this lore very serious. And this movie, as fun as it is, as slight, as childish is paying homage and respect to that lore and is delivering audiences what they want. You have to decide for yourself, am I the audience for this? You cannot go into a movie like this and be like, how does this stack up against, you know, name it, right? You just can't. That's not the type of movie for this. So you know whether or not you give a shit about Sonic the Hedgehog. You know whether or not you want to pay $15 to go see it at a movie theater. You know whether or not already. And I would say, ask yourself those questions. And if you're that sort of person, I recommend this movie to you. If you're kind of like me and you're one of these movie weirdos who just like, i just kind of watch anything, maybe give it a shot, right? Like, I, I don't know. Your mileage will probably vary. At the end of the day, despite its flaws, it kind of won me over. It wasn't grating. It wasn't annoying. Idris Alba, Colleen O'Shaughnessy, Ben Schwartz, Jim Carrey, Tika Sumpter, Natasha Rothwell. Uh, The one character I really just couldn't fucking stand was the uh, Wade character who's just, remember in Scream when they had, uh, what was the Dewey parody from Scream, right, where the guy was like shitting his pants and stuff? that's basically what this guy is in this movie. You know, James Mars is Tom, all these, other people, Shamar Moore as uh Randall. Uh, they're all fine, man. They're all great. There's actually some like uh, some jokes that actually got some like actual laughs out of me. Um, so I don't want to spoil it because yeah, there's, there's a couple of surprises in this, in this movie. And I got a couple laughs, like legit laughs out of it. Not like I'm pooping my pants uh, or peeing myself laughing, but like, really enjoyable, like some really enjoyable moments. Overall, I don't think, again, I don't think it's as sharply written as the the first one. I don't think it's as funny. I think it's too long, but it won me over. And uh, it's like a pretty, it's just a sweet little fun adventure movie for kids. So I'd recommend that. If you got kids and they like Sonic the Hedgehog or you need something to take them to on, if you're in North America and it's a rainy spring day, maybe as uh, like a spring break is coming up for some people or the Easter holiday, and you're looking for something to do, I think this one might be for them. Uh, If you can't afford it and you want to just give it a rental, I think you'll watch it in passing and be like, yeah, it's pretty pleasant. And sometimes it's all a movie needs to be. We don't got to reinvent the wheel. We just got to be entertained for a little while. This movie's entertaining enough for a little while. Those are my thoughts on Son the Hedgehog 2. I really appreciate uh, you listening to this. And uh, if you want to share your thoughts, the best place to find us is on Twitter at Binge Movies. As I record this, if you're listening to it in real time, we currently have a poll up on our Twitter for the next movie to be selected for The Vault. If you don't know what that is, I suggest you go back and listen to the last episode which we like to call Last Movie Standing. It's a quarterly debate-style tournament where two guest critics face off about the movies we rank during our season. I know some of you love the instant reactions, and I know some of you uh, love the ranking episodes. I I know that some of you find us through the instant reactions, and I know that some of you find us through the ranking episodes. So you might not be double dipping into both and that's okay. But if you're looking for a very interesting, creative approach, to discussing and talking about films that I can, I can venture to guess that nobody else is doing that. The best place to find that is right here in this feed on our ranking episodes that culminate every season in last movie standing. And if you want to, Help decide what gets added to the people's canon. The best place for that is to go to our Twitter, at Binge Movies. It's the exclusive place to vote. And vote now. Okay? Vote now. And, uh, yeah, you get to help determine the future you haven't listened to it already go ahead and check out last movie standing we've got a great season behind us too season 6.1 for those of you don't know we're also doing something called the binge movies challenge now the binge movies challenge is we've invited our listeners to binge the entire year with us we're 25 films down there's still plenty of time to catch up just go to our letterbox letterbox.com slash binge movies you'll find Binge Movies Challenge 6.1. It's just a nice list we have there. Those are the 25 films that you need to watch. And uh, 25, 26 actually are on their way as we speak. You'll be seeing those in the not-too-distant future. And if you decide to be a patron of all things, uh, you might just get a certain advantage on next season before anybody else. So, uh, yeah, we're always looking for support. Like, subscribe, rate, review, all that great stuff. And if nothing else, go ahead and find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash binge movies. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, binge on. Looking for even more unique and creative movie content? Become a patron. Choose between three levels and you'll get benefits like a personalized membership card, exclusive shows, early instant reactions to new releases, episode voting power, live streams, and more. Join today, patreon.com slash binge movies.